along to the Brain for Business, Brain for Life podcast with me, Lawrence Snell, where we take the lessons from evidence-based academic research, most particularly involving the brain and behavioral sciences, and translate them in a way that is accessible for leaders and organizations. I'm delighted to welcome to this episode of Brain for Business, Brain for Life, Professor John Gruder. John Gruder is an assistant professor in organizational behavior at Maynooth University in Ireland. He has previously held appointments at Emilion Business School in France, where he completed his PhD in management from 2012 to 2017, together with a joint doctorate in psychology at Goethe University in Frankfurt am Main. Professor Gruder's primary research focus is on relational leadership, dark leadership traits, personality, and anxiety. Recently, he was selected as one of 373 young scholars out of 20,000 applicants worldwide to attend the Lindau Nobel Prize laureates meeting in economic sciences. John, welcome to Brain for Business. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. In recent times, you have looked at the challenge and indeed impact of narcissistic leaders. Perhaps you might start by explaining what exactly is a narcissistic leader? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, maybe to, to, to make it a little bit more broad, so what are narcissists? What, what is a narcissistic individual? Uh, the definition is uh, uh, quite broad as well. So narcissism is essentially an exaggerated sense of self-importance. Uh, so people that think that, you know, they are, they are the most imp important person in the room uh, and they're very preoccupied with success they're very preoccupied with being, you know, the best, being perceived as the best, not necessarily being the best. That's not exactly the same thing, right? Uh, but they're very competitive. Uh, they want to be in authority positions and also uh, narcissistic individuals tend to be elected or chosen or selected into leadership roles uh, more often than, than less narcissistic individuals. And a pattern of grandiose thinking. So a pattern of thinking that I'm the best, I can do it, you know, go with me and everything will be all right. That would be a, a good definition, I would think, of, of what a narcissistic individual and narcissistic leader is. So building on that, are you able to give us some real world examples that people might be familiar with of narcissistic leaders? So I was thinking about this uh, in terms of good examples. The first example I usually go for uh, is a political leader, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, just because he had a very, very famous line that he used to say, I alone can fix it. So go with me, you know, elect me because I alone can fix it. I can, I can take care of everything. That is a, a very, very good uh, example of, you know, it just virtually screams narcissism because it's all about me, me, me. Uh, and, and that would be an example that, that most people can relate to just because it's a political figure, a public figure. And so uh, they, they've heard this before. But really, if you think about organizational leaders, it's easy to, to pick out organizational leaders that, that are narcissists because a lot of them are. A lot of them got to be the success that they are because they display those narcissistic tendencies, because they focus on being a success, because they focus on that authority seeking, that securing that leadership role, those are qualities that we as individuals, as people like to see in leaders, at least somewhat. So these are the qualities that will get you elected to be a leader. 
they're not necessarily the qualities that will make you a good leader once you are in that position. And that's a really interesting distinction you make between what will get you into a leadership position, whether it is in politics, say with Trump mm. or, or, or in business, and what will make you perhaps successful as a leader. Yeah. What then is typically the impact of, of a narcissistic leader? On, on the one hand, I guess, their organizations or maybe even the country that they lead, but also as a secondary, their followers. Right. So, and those are two important but largely separate uh, factors to consider. So, narcissism is considered one of the dark tried traits, um, together with Machiavellianism and psychopathy. However, narcissism has some bright sides to it as well. So, if we think about what do narcissistic leaders do for their organizations, and is it all bad? Actually, it's not. Uh, there, there's been various examples and. One of them includes uh, research that I did with colleagues uh, about two years ago, I believe now, with regard to fundraising. So narcissistic leaders are more likely to raise higher funds than non-narcissistic leaders, which is a positive outcome for the organization. And likewise, there's been some research by colleagues that looks at narcissistic leaders and their propensity to endorse uh, corporate social respo responsibility programs, uh, environmentalism campaigns, things like that. And why do they do that? Because these are positive outcomes for organizations. We all would like organizations to be uh, you know, more aware of the environment, to, to do more for the environment. But these are also selling points. These are points that narcissistic leaders see as, this is how I can raise awareness about how great I am and what I can do for this organization. So I'm going to lean into that. So there are some positive aspects for organizations that narcissistic leaders provide. With regard to followers, it is slightly more mixed bag. So there it will depend more on who the followers are. So it is not enough to just focus on what do narcissistic leaders do and how do they behave, but rather who are the people that are following them to begin with. So what do they do for certain kinds of followers? And we know from research that we've conducted with colleagues uh, that, that narcissistic leaders are particularly good at appealing to followers who score high on agreeableness, which means followers who are tolerant, uh, who like to you know, hear everyone's opinion out, who you would like to have in any team really, because they provide that harmony within a team setting. And likewise, uh, the other type of follower that, that comes into play here are neurotic followers. So people that tend to worry a lot, people tend to be anxious a lot in general about life, uh, about deadlines coming up, about just the uncertainty that future provides us with. Those are the followers that narcissistic leaders will appeal to most likely. So those are the type of followers that seek that certainty. And so if someone comes along and says, I alone can fix it, go with me, they are very, you know, they, they, they are much more likely to endorse that kind of leader than someone who says, well, listen, we don't really know what's going to happen, but, you know, we'll make do. That, that's, that's not very reassuring. You want someone, especially in a crisis situation, to say, this is what we're going to be doing. Even if the person that says that isn't really sure about what they need to do themselves, but they're just saying it, that alone can be quite uh, reassuring. 
for certain kinds of followers. As you're talking there, the thought that comes to mind is that there, there might be perceived to be similarities between narcissistic leaders on the one hand and charismatic leaders on the other. Is that Absolutely. a fair... Um, I guess, link that I'm making. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's been a lot of research uh, by colleagues in, in Switzerland that look at charismatic leadership um, and the, the correlation is certainly there, let's say. So narcissistic leaders tend to be quite charismatic. They tend to be quite appealing. Uh, they tend to be uh, also quite uh, you know, focused on how am I perceived by others? So they really put a lot of value into that. So they do prepare and they do make sure that others perceive them in a positive light. However, it is important to say here, this, this charismatic aspect that narcissistic leaders tend to have is only beneficial in initial interactions. So if I don't know a leader, if I don't know a narcissistic individual more broadly, and if I only interact with this person you know, very, very few times, maybe once or twice a week or so, those are very few interactions. In those interactions, this narcissistic leader can appeal uh, to, to almost all followers because they are initial interactions. But once you know someone over a longer period of time, so the more you interact with someone, the more likely it is that you're going to see what's behind the facade, right? So who are they really? And sooner or later, it will become clear to you if you're dealing with a narcissistic individual that I don't think this person really knows what they're talking about. So it is uh, the, the aspect of time needs to be taken into consideration here as well. Initial interactions with narcissistic leaders, those are great. They, they, they will be very charismatic. They will reflect what you're feeling as well. So if you're feeling angry, they will, you know, they will also be uh, angry as in they, they will be able to relate to you and they'll be able to reflect that back to you. So you will feel like you've been heard. You know, this other person is listening to me, is, is feeling what I'm feeling. But over time, you start realizing that this is more of a show than anything else. And you start realizing that maybe this person is not the best leader to, to lead us through, you know, whatever situation, especially a crisis situation. Okay. If we think specifically of your, your own research, how how have you and, and colleagues explored that relationship between narcissistic leaders and, and followers? What, what particular approaches have you taken? Right. So in, in past uh, research, traditionally what happens is researchers either approach organizations or ask team members to evaluate their leaders and then ask the leader to evaluate themselves and, and the team members. We had focus on a different kind of approach because we wanted to see whether we can, you know, extrapolate uh, using a very large sample of, of leaders and followers. And these, these traditional research papers have been, you know, organization specific, let's say. So only one organization, you know, 200 people that work there, and maybe they have 10 supervisors. So you, you, you send them questions to answer and so on. We wanted to see whether we can try to replicate something like this with a much larger sample. So we have been doing research using, using social media. So social media data is very, very rich, as in uh, if individuals, and, and we use Twitter in, this, in the most recent example, so if people are tweeting, they reveal 
something about themselves. Uh, that has been long established in research, and, and we know that personality traits can be uh, extrapolated from what people write about on social media uh, and what they reveal about themselves on social media and how they interact with others. So we looked at a large sample of uh, organizational leaders mostly and who follows them on Twitter, who engages with them on Twitter. So engagement means a follower comments on a leader's post, on a leader's tweet, and it is almost like a conversation. So what we looked at is uh, a minimum of four engagement interactions, right? So go, if, if you just reply to one leader's tweet, that means nothing, right? That just, you happen to see that tweet and you have an opinion and you write it. That doesn't mean that you see this person as a leader. This doesn't mean that you're going to be engaging with this person long-term. So we looked at a minimum number of four interactions uh, between leaders and followers on Twitter. And then we looked at how does this change uh, over time? So we use machine learning to extrapolate this information, this linguistic analysis using what people write about, what words they use, what sentence structure, uh, what kind of uh, pronouns they use. Do they mention a lot of I or me or mine? Those are examples uh, of, of, of narcissistic tendencies. And we looked at whether we can find, uh, we can replicate essentially what past research has shown us that Yes, in initial interactions, followers tend to engage and tend to evaluate narcissistic leaders very favorably. But over time, as they engage more with that leader, this tends to shift. And we do indeed find that as well on social media. So social media can essentially be used, at least this is our argument, it can be used to try to study uh, narcissistic leaders and their followers in a somewhat naturalistic environment, as in, I'm not intervening in how you interact inter, uh, with your followers by giving you a questionnaire, you know, that, that will stop you in your tracks, you have to take time and fill in the questionnaire, but rather, I'm studying, uh, you know, very, very natural interactions between leaders and followers, and it just happens to be in a different context than the social media context. So is it then as you mentioned previously that you know if you meet someone who is a narcissistic leader and uh, at first you may think yes this person gets me they understand me they're on my side and then over time you might start to see through that facade and, and recognize perhaps that the emperor ha has no clothes yeah. it, it, is it a similar process that happens on social media or is there a different dynamic that might play out it's, it's actually quite similar. So we, we, are, we have currently a paper that's under review, which hopefully will be out early, early next year, um, that looks at exactly that. So it looks at the number of interactions. How does, how does the relationship between narcissistic leaders and followers change as the number of interactions increases? So we, I, I mentioned four as a minimum number of interactions that we chose. And this is a relatively arbitrary number, right? This is not to say that four is what we need, but rather we felt that one, two, three interactions over the span of a year is just not enough to say that this is you know, meaningful in any regard. So for the minimum number, and as we increase that number of interactions, so as we focus on leaders who, and followers who, who interact with each other many times, right? So five, six times, even 10 times, then we see that this dynamic changes. So we do see that the number of interactions does still matter, even on social media. So at the beginning, for example, 
one thing I haven't mentioned is, you know, how do narcissistic leaders and narcissistic followers, uh, how does, what does that relationship look like, right? And we do find that there is some support um, with regard to that interaction number as well. So at the beginning, you know, that's a, they're, they're drawn to narcissistic leaders. Narcissistic followers are drawn to narcissistic leaders. Over time, we no longer find that effect. So it does change over time as people get to know who this person is, even through social media, right? Even if you've never met this person, you still find out more about them as they, as they tweet, as they post, as you interact with them. And that has an effect on how you relate to this person over time. So it's very similar to, to traditional organizational settings, but it just allows us to study this you know, with, with thousands and thousands of interactions over many, many days over time, which is, uh, which is really neat. Yeah, absolutely. I guess if we think about the the context that we've all been living through over the last, say, two years, we may as well say at this point, mm. have narcissistic leaders thrived or, or, or perhaps suffered during the, the COVID pandemic? You mentioned the cri crises earlier. Yeah. Uh, and, and clearly someone like Trump, you know, was kicked out of office, if I can put it that way, during sure. the middle of the crisis. And, and you mentioned him as a as an example of a narcissistic mm -hmm. leader. So what would you think? Have they thrived or have they suffered? Uh, that's a very, 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 very interesting question. And to go with that example, let's let's take that example of Donald Trump. Right. Uh, so he he did something which is uh, very useful at the beginning when he was elected or the reason why he was elected is he created essentially a crisis, right? There wasn't a crisis. It wasn't a crisis crisis in, in, in terms of what we then, uh, you know, all experienced and suffered through with regard to COVID, of course. But he created this crisis as in the economy is in shambles. Everything is bad. You know, you need someone to come in and fix things. That is me, right? So you create, uh, narcissistic leaders oftentimes create artificial crises, which they then step in and, 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 and try to solve, right? And oftentimes that works out quite well. So I can create an artificial crisis. I can make you think that things are really bad. And it's not that we know from political research that the economy matters. How the economy is, is doing, unemployment rates and things like that, that matters to who's going to be elected next. And, and the colleagues that I mentioned earlier that did research on charismatic leadership, they found that charisma in uh, people that are being that are that are running for office and GDP at the time, those are the two strongest predictors of who's going to be elected. Now, it is not actually, if you dive in deeper, it is not actually how the economy is doing, but it is how the economy is perceived to be doing. And because narcissistic leaders create these crises, uh, you know, artificially, they change the perception of how things are doing and they change the perception of what kind of leader is needed. Now, with regard to COVID in particular, uh, we know that narcissistic leaders uh, did quite well, I would say, early on uh, in, during, during COVID times because it is a crisis, it is uncertainty, and I certainly remember, I think we all do, what March 2020 was like. Uh, I remember I was in a meeting with students uh, that day when essentially, you know, uh, the economy ended, right? Uh, everything went down, uh, bonds, stocks, everything went downhill, and people were 
like what's going on, right? And everyone was selling uh, at that time. So everyone was, you know, suffering through these losses. It was really fast. It was like within the day, within two days. But those are the times that narcissistic leaders thrive. Those are the times where there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen. We've never, you know, had something like this before, at least that we can remember going through. So someone that comes and says, I can do this, right? That's a person that we would all, you know, likely look to and, and say, okay, so here, this is a person that has a plan. Now, because COVID has lasted quite some time and is still ongoing, right? We have seen that this initial approach, this initial, you know, I can fix it, that is not enough. So you do need to actually perform and not just be perceived as someone who can perform, right? So, so as the COVID pandemic um, uh, unfolded, we know that narcissistic leaders uh, have not been perceived as, as well as they were at the very beginning. So time, again, is very, very important. Maybe just one thing to add to this as well uh, is that we have also looked at a combination of what we call paradoxical traits. So narcissistic leaders and servant leaders. So leaders that are actually, you know, they stand for the community. They want to do what's best for the community. That doesn't really relate to what we think of, you know, what's a narcissistic leader. It's all about me, me, me. But there is actually, there are leaders that are both. There are leaders that are narcissistic and that care for their community because to them, doing well for the community is what's, is what's best for me. Those kind of leaders that display both of these traits, and this is ongoing work, this is under review, so it's not out yet. Those kind of leaders did increasingly well during the crisis, as in their followers uh, reported lower anxiety, because anxiety is one of the things that I focus on, uh, with regard to following those kind of leaders, especially followers who do not tend to be anxious, you know, in general. So those kind of leaders do actually perform quite well. If what's best for the community is what's best for me as an artistic leader, then I'm going to be more inclined to do what's best for the community, right? So that's going to have positive outcomes on my followers as well. Now that is really interesting and I would never have thought to have considered narcissism and servant leadership t together because they seem like, as you said, paradoxical yeah. headmates, yet no nonetheless there is that link and I, I can perhaps think of not specific examples but maybe context so someone who is leading a a charity who is maybe obsessive about their work example, and yeah, doing really well. Is that a fair example? Yeah, I, I would I would think so. Yeah, we haven't studied uh, leaders in you know of charities uh, specifically, but that would certainly be an interesting uh, context where I would also think that this would apply in. Yeah, absolutely. If we think a little bit then about implications, what would you say are the implications of your research and, and findings for organizations? Should they avoid narcissistic leaders, for example, or should they accept them, but maybe handle with care, what would you say? Yeah, this is a, this is a very good question, as in this is a question that there, there is no consensus uh, in the scientific community on this. I know colleagues who are very adamant about organizations need to stop hiring narcissists, period. I know colleagues, and, and I would count myself on that side as well, that 
narcissistic leaders, because of what we were saying earlier, because they are more likely to be elected into leadership positions, because they are more likely to say, hey, yeah, I want to apply for this, right? And, and if you are if you are narcissistic, you think you can do it, right? So if you get a little bit lucky, right, if you are qualified, obviously, but also if you're lucky, then you will get elected or you will be selected for a leadership role. So now I think that we cannot avoid uh, narcissists within any organization, within any social context, really. They are part of society uh, and, you know, they are going to be part of organizational life for the foreseeable future. I really don't see how we can avoid this. I also don't think we should avoid having narcissistic leaders in organizations because of what I mentioned earlier, because they can do good for the organization. They can do, you know, good for the community that they're serving. So it really depends on, it's not about selecting uh, or selecting out narciss narcissists from organizations. I don't think that's feasible, but it is rather leaning in and trying to understand what makes narcissistic leaders you know, behave in the way they do, and then how can we actually, as followers, as uh, you know, organizational executives, perhaps of, of, of leaders, of those leaders, what can we do about you know, trying to get these narcissistic leaders to do what's best for the company, what's best for their team, for their followers. Uh, so how can, we, how can we harness those behavioral tendencies that narcissistic leaders display? I think those are, that's where the implications of research uh, really come in because it is not, I would, I would always say to students that, you know, you can try to avoid narcissistic leaders, but there's only so much can do, right? So are you really going to quit your job and, and go to another company because of a narcissistic leader? Perhaps. Uh, if it's really bad, I imagine you would, right? Switching costs are high, though, especially if, you know, it's COVID and, you know, things are picking back up, you know, thank goodness, but, uh, you know, hiring a year ago by organizations was in an all-time low. So it's not like you can switch easily to another organization. So if, if that option is out, you need to focus on leaning in to how can I manage my narcissistic manager or how can I manage my narcissistic leader? And there's a few recommendations uh, that, that research has shown us um, you know, that you can actually do, that you can implement. If we flip it about then, um, what about those who may be in leadership positions or aspiring to, to leadership positions? Are some of those narcissistic traits things that they should, and this may seem like an odd question, but should they perhaps be thinking about working with some of those in order to enhance their own leadership practice? As I said, it may seem like a strange question. Yeah, so you, you're saying uh, narcissistic, so followers to work with narcissistic leaders in order to increase their own profile? No, I'm thinking about the leaders themselves. So some of those uh, traits you mentioned earlier on about being the one who can, or, or seeing themselves, portraying themselves as the one who can come in to solve the problems. And mm -hmm. is that kind of approach that um, leaders should maybe try and take on board? I mean, non-narcissistic non leaders to be more like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, uh, I, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, you know, the, the thing is that narcissism is a personality trait, right? So a trait is very, very difficult to change. Uh, there's been some research that suggests we can change traits at least. Uh, 
temporarily, rather the expression of behaviors that are associated with that trait. So if I am a narcissist, I'm going to be displaying certain kind of behavioral tendencies that are unlike those tendencies of non-narcissists, right? So I'm not sure. Um, I would. I know that, for example, there's been some research that I think it's quite recent. I think it's still this year that came out that showed that narcissistic leaders, for example, uh, climbed the career ladder much faster than non-narcissistic leaders. So in that respect, I do think that you could make you know that suggestion to say, well, listen, you need to be a bit more let's say self-assured, you need to come across as more confident, even if you aren't that confident to begin with, you know, it might come with time. So if you can display that convincingly at the beginning, this is likely to get you into, uh, you know, higher leadership position than what you're currently in, because we, we do want to elect people that are, or select, apologies, I say elect, I don't necessarily just mean a political <laughs> context in any or any context, we are selecting leaders, leaders emerge through, you know, the context that they're in. So if someone is confident, uh, that is what we want to see in leaders. Now that is not necessarily, like I said earlier, what will make them a good leader once they are in that position, but it will certainly help you get there. So in that respect, I would say yes, being more or being perceived as being more narcissistic, you know, in that particular context could could pay off. Yeah, it could be quite beneficial. Whether or not this is a long-term uh, behavioral goal that you should set for yourself, I'm not sure. But in order to get to uh, a higher leadership position, we know, research has shown us that, yes, narcissists, narcissists do tend to climb the career ladder faster. So perhaps this might be something that you want to explore for yourself. <laughs> I guess it uh, perhaps goes against the current move towards more authentic styles of leadership. So from that perspective, maybe not something that a lot of people will take up. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a very important uh, point that you just mentioned. I, I, I can I can give a whole one hour or two hour lecture on what authentic leadership is. Now, the problem with authentic leadership and there is a problem with it because yes, we all want leaders who are authentic, right? We all want people who, we want to be authentic ourselves in the workplace. We want to go, we want to belong to a community. We want to go to the office and be who we are. So not to have to put on a show, not to have to, you know, to some respect, even hide particular aspects about ourselves. For example, not being sure about how to do certain things and coming across as confident and so on. So being authentic is very important. However, if you're talking about leaders, especially narcissistic leaders, I don't think we want them to be more authentic than they already are, right? So we don't want them to be even more themselves. Uh, this is particularly, it's not so much the case for narcissistic leaders, but for example, Machiavellian leaders. So people who are manipulative and people who form alliances in order to uh, ostracize others, right? We don't want these individuals, especially if they're leaders, to be even more authentic. Rather, it's quite the opposite. I would argue we want them to be less authentic. Uh, we want them to, to conform to the norms of the workplace, you know, more so because they tend to be the rule breakers and they tend to be the ones that, you know, go behind people's backs and in order to get their agenda through. So, so authentic leadership is, is important. It's great to have in the vast majority of cases, but when you are talking about a, for example, narcissistic leader, I do not think that most people, most employees would want a narcissistic leader to be even more authentic because I don't think it will have positive outcomes for their followers. 
but that is just that is just my intuition. Um, I, I, I'm still uh, I would like to actually explore this in a research setting. So this is something perhaps that future research will be able to answer for us. That sounds great. If people wanted to find out more about your work and, and research, where can they go? Right. So uh, you can go on my uh, university uh, webpage. Just if you search for Maynooth University and my name, uh, you will find me. It's, it's right there. Otherwise, you know, I'm always uh, reachable on LinkedIn. And, uh, and, and those are the places that you will certainly be able to reach me right away. Uh, the amount of time I spend on LinkedIn is, uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, it has eaten up a sizable chunk of the available time of my day. Um, but that is also to the benefit of my, my students or anyone else who wants to reach out uh, to find out more about my research. Okay, thank you very much for that. Professor John Gruder of Maynooth University, it's been great speaking to you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Our theme song, La La Song, Electronic Beat Time and Dream Sequence by Lorenzo's Music is licensed under an attribution, share and share alike license.